So I always say I'm super excited when someone comes to talk to me, but today I am uber, uber excited. Joining me today for this conversation is Leonard Steinberg, who is the president of Compass. Leonard is a maverick in the real estate field. Um, he has been doing this for close to 20 years and during that time has sold over $2 billion worth of real estate in New York. Leonard and I talk about a bunch of different things. We talk about the market, obviously, but I'm more interested um, on his takes about fear and about risk and about starting something when you know nothing about it. Um, his previous experience was not in the real estate world. It was in the fashion world uh, and in the music world. So I talked to him about a number of different topics, um, and it's just a great, um, great, great conversation, and I'm so happy he joined me. So hope you enjoy. So you famously said that you got into real estate because of a midlife crisis, yes. correct? Yes. Walk me through that, please. How did well, that happen? My midlife crisis fortunately happened at the age of 30. And I had been in fashion for over 10 years. And fashion, if anyone has ever been in that business, knows how difficult it is. And just like anything in the middle today, the middle really gets beaten up. So I was in the middle of fashion where we were retailing for around you know, five, $600 for ladies' suits and dresses. And that's not expensive, expensive, and it's not cheap. And you're basically dead. Right. That market was murdered. Right, right, very quickly. And so what led you essentially made you say, I'm not doing this anymore, and real estate is one I'm going to get into? Well, I was probably burned out by the industry. I'd had a difficult partnership that ended, and I decided I was going to embark on a musical career, actually. Mm. I fancied myself as a musician, which was a... Fortunately, that ended very quickly, and that was for the sake of everyone's ears, <laughs> not my playing. Okay. And then you got into real estate from there on in. Correct, yes. Okay, so you go into real estate... Not can it, Would it be fair to say not having a ton of experience within real estate in your background? Very little real estate experience, certainly not in marketing and sales at all. My real estate uh, background was mostly as a kid enjoying going to open houses. I would often go as a really young kid to open houses, sometimes even on my own where the, real, the broker would grab my hand and say, where is your mother? <laughs> but it was always a passion that I had for architecture mostly. And I would sketch houses and buildings all the time. I was fascinated by great architects and I'd actually studied them in art school. But I um, did develop uh, two townhouses in Texas, actually, while I was in fashion still as a hobby. And I was going to live in one of them. And I had this, you know, there was something drawing me towards real estate all along. Okay. And so obviously, one of the things I'm fascinated about is risk, right? Yes. How people deal with it. Uh, some people are risk averse. I am one of those people, a Jewish boy from Brooklyn. This is in our DNA. Um, and so how did you deal with the idea of jumping into something that maybe you had a bit of knowledge about, but not much, and that doesn't pay by the hour or doesn't have a salary? It's basically you eat what you kill. How did you deal with that risk? Well, I'd always vowed never to work for anyone ever again. And I did work for someone for five years in fashion, and I still have nightmares about that. I'm not kidding. It's 30 years later, and I have vivid, clear dreams about that moment in my life. So I've always been uh, quite open to risk. And I have to say, I'm not a huge risk taker, but I like to take what I call calculated risks and always evaluating what is the very worst case scenario and then hoping for the very best. How much does passion play into those choices? So in other words, things that you love, could you take a risk and do something that you weren't necessarily convinced that you wanted to do? Or, you know, was your love of architecture and going to open houses when you were a kid one of the factors that essentially said, look, if I'm going to take a risk, it's going to be in an area that I like. 
Well, I think there's a fine line between passion and lunacy. And uh, <laughs> I think I have a little bit of both in me. But I um, certainly enjoyed real estate. And I wouldn't say it was real estate marketing and sales. But what I enjoyed was homes and architecture and that just appealed to me so I was a really bad um, high school kid because everyone in my family obviously said I should I should either become a, a doctor a lawyer or an accountant but I wasn't smart enough for either of those so they said well what about an architect I wasn't smart enough for that either so I was left with not that many choices and I chose fashion um, because I thought it combined art and commerce which were the two things that I was good at and so so be it how was your first year and what was that like? First year in real estate was daunting, but I have to say I connected. It was shocking to me how much all the experience I'd had in the past really did translate to this new career. Really? I was shocked by that because the fundamentals of commerce are pretty similar in all different um, fields. And my first year, I actually made a living, which I always warn people today, have savings for at least a year because you won't make a penny. But I actually, uh, my first sale was in the West Village. And my clients were lovely because every time I said, let's head this way, they were like, no, Bank Street's the exact opposite <laughs> way. But I learned the hard way and I really plunged deep into it because I'm a little obsessive compulsive. So I really dove deep into real estate and I was very lucky. I had a few very lucky, a few really extremely lucky breaks that really, I think, catapulted me forward. So fast forward a very long time. Um, you're doing very well at Element, correct? Yes. And you decide, was it 2014 or? Correct. In 2014, you were going to jump ship to what was then Urban Compass, which is now Compass, correct? Yes. What was that decision like for you, given the fact that you were doing so well based on you know everything I've read? And Urban Compass and Compass now was at the time, like some people knew it, but it wasn't really a known commodity in the real estate sector. They were talking about it as a tech play, et cetera. What was that process like and why did you actually decide to pull the trigger? I was recently asked this exact question and as I was answering it, I thought, boy, that was crazy. <laughs> Because no one at the time really knew what Urban Compass was. There had been quite a lot of buzz about it because they were very tech-centric and they had a bit of a shtick going with um, backpacks. But it was really a rental company that was um, based on high-tech algorithms for search, very mobile-based. But it was not a traditional real estate company in any way, shape, or form. They really didn't have the infrastructure in place for that. And I... At Element was, and I hate to call this the top of my field, but I was way up there at the top of my field. At the previous year, I'd won the, I think, Broker of the Year Award, which I still loathe those award ceremonies because I never think anyone in brokerage should be heralded purely for the number of sales they make. But really, surely someone should be heralding the people who do quality work. And granted, if they sell a lot, that's great. But let it start with the quality. So I left behind... Um, over a billion dollars worth of business that I was involved in, and it was an enormous risk. But I'd been approached by pretty much all um, companies in the field, and this was the only one, believe it or not, where I walked away from my first meeting and I said, why is this little unknown company something that I feel I'm going to regret not having pursued in a few years' time? I just had a gut instinct. And then I reverted back to my old thinking, which is, what is the worst thing that can happen? 
And between the lunacy and the passion, I figured out that the worst thing that could happen was that I would um, have to come crawling back with my tail between my legs and start from scratch and maybe take a huge loss. Did you ever expect Compass to grow in the way that it has? And I say this as someone that works with Compass all the time and honestly as an admirer of it because there were so many naysayers in the beginning that were essentially saying, oh, you know, what's the difference? It's just another company. And it's... You know, ev- I say now everyone has a birthright. They, they have a bar mitzvah or they move to Compass at some point in their careers in terms of the real estate brokerage uh, game. Have, did you ever expect this to actually happen in the way that it has? Not in my wildest dreams. I knew I, if I really put my heart and soul into anything I did, I was certain I'd be successful at it. But the success that has been achieved here is uh, not only big, but the speed at which it's happened is so astounding. And it is historical. There's never been a company. When I started, there were 60 people, most of them in administration, technology, management, and there were a few rental agents. One or two sales agents had begun to join. 60 people, and today we're approaching 2,700 in a little over three and a half years. We're in 40 cities. It's, it's, it's astounding on a level that I just cannot even comprehend myself. But I think the very key and telling aspect to all of this is how this is a real estate brokerage infused in technology. It is the fusion of technology and traditional real estate brokerage. But it is introducing a whole wave of people that traditionally were left out of the real estate mix. So we have the most incredible people from McKinsey, Goldman Sachs, Google, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, they come from all different um, avenues of commerce and technology and creative creative fields. And you fuse all of that together under one roof with a commonality and a desire to build something really special and important. And I think it's really you know, transcended way beyond just building a company. And it's become really a movement in the industry. And I think it's really inspired a lot of people to be better, do better. And my hope is to really not just build a great company, but to elevate an entire industry. Um, and you mentioned something about the transaction that, that I want to touch upon. Um, and in doing this interview, I, I read a lot of the stuff that, that you had written. And honestly, I, I didn't know much prior to reading it. And a lot of it was a breath of fresh air, to be honest with you, because I, I deal with brokers on um, on a daily basis in, in terms of what I do. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yes. And it's that's why I'm in therapy. But beyond that, um, I think that it's very, very nice to hear someone that's at the top of their field say things like, you shouldn't focus just on the transaction, right? Do you find that brokers or agents focus on that transaction? And if you do, how do you educate them not to do that? I mean, to look long-term, because again, these numbers that we're seeing in the market and that we've seen in the past six, seven years are high. And so the brokers can look at a transaction and say, I will make X. How do you make them not think that? It's difficult because I think salespeople by their very nature are inclined to produce. You are judged, and unfortunately, traditionally in real estate brokerage, you are judged based on your volume of sales. If you sell a lot, you're an amazing broker. If you don't sell a lot, you're a bad broker. So I think that's really dreadful. I do, however, believe that um, there are a lot of agents who sell a lot of real estate who are really good at what they do, and it's because they're selling a lot. That's a lot of work and a lot of effort and skill to make that really happen. But I do believe um, I'm kind of like the poster child. I haven't achieved much in my life, but if there's one thing I'm really proud of having done is that I have succeeded in a field where people actually encourage you to be a shark and a killer and all these horrible adjectives, all of which I find personally quite repulsive. 
And I really believe that with the volume of dollars that we are entrusted with in our guidance and advice, the levels of seriousness by which brokers should take this business should be much, much more elevated than they are right now. And I do think there is a group of agents. I think we've attracted some extraordinary agents because of that, because they see in us not only the talk about elevating standards and ethics, but also enforcing that. There's so many laws in the world, but so many of them are never enforced. So I think if a company really stands behind that and says, look, if you step over the line, you won't survive in this environment. And I do believe that there were a lot of agents within the company who came in who started doing things possibly every now and then that weren't that great because everyone else was doing that and because those who were doing it were rewarded and heralded as heroes. And here we have this opportunity where if you're surrounded by people who all want to be better, who all want to do the good thing, and who have raised their ethical standards and honesty levels, that's inspiring to do the right thing. And it says, well, that's what I always believed in, and I'm so glad everyone around me believes the same thing. So you believe in the company. I mean, one of the things that I would, I would say about that is that culture is super important in terms of a company. Do you believe that that culture is there where you are and, and that grows organically? And so if someone comes in and has the wrong set of norms, they will immediately be corrected by the pack that's actually there. Definitely. Either they will change their ways or they'll leave. So first and foremost, we are very specific that whoever comes into Compass is someone that we like. And that's not me deciding whether I like them or not. It's whether other agents know and have transacted with them in the past to know if they're good or bad players. That's key. And then the other one is enforcement, that you are in an environment of a culture that encourages good behavior. And I actually focus so much of my attention on culture. And I actually send out a daily memo to the company where I speak to that point every single day. So repetition is effective. Right. <laughs> and it really has resonated maintaining and building on a culture that's good to make it even better. Um, I'll bring up one last thing about this, which I, I found uh, really, really interesting. You, instead of calling someone a broker or an agent, you essentially call them advisors. And one of the things that you mentioned was the value of time. And I think people forget about that quite often. Um, you talk about how you may save clients time because of the information barrage that comes at you. Can you touch upon that a little bit? Well, I have a very corny saying that I repeat again and again and again, and it's become compass vocabulary. It's time is the last luxury. And if you think about it, it's 100% true. We live in a world that is so demanding of us, not only by the very nature of living in larger cities that require you to earn a lot of money and work really hard to make that money, but then we are messaged now probably 10 times more than we were 10 years ago by all sorts of mediums that are exhausting. And the volume of information that is out there is exceptional and disturbing. More importantly, there is so much false information or alternative facts, as we call them these days, and those require a tremendous level of deeper understanding to, cipher, uh, to sift through what is fact, what is fiction, and what is somewhere in between. There are many, many people in real estate land who invented alternative facts. You know, this is not just exclusive to politics. Alternative facts are synonymous with real estate, and it's part of a reputation that I feel was very rightfully earned 
through the consumer who had for many, many years, decades, been abused by simply lying. So heading back to more of a fact-based form of brokerage, I think is the future of brokerage. And I do believe at a certain price point where people are very, very busy, really hardworking, don't have the time, don't have the understanding of the real estate markets, which are very hyper-localized. You can talk about averages, but they're meaningless. So everything we try to do is very, very focused on the specialization of the area and type of product that you are looking for or selling, and really getting deep into that. And in that lies tremendous value with a professional. There are two things the consumer hates most about agents. One is their horrible attitudes, the lying, the ethics, etc. That's a very tough one to fix, unless, of course, you only bring people together who believe in a high standard. The other thing they hate is broker commissions. You know, they're expensive. It's expensive to sell a property. But there are many, many people, most people who are wealthy and successful, um, even if they're not wealthy, but just successful and have worked hard, understand paying for something that delivers real value. And real value has a price. And the people who see real value in our agents definitely feel that they are getting their money's worth. And I think that's something to build on. It's interesting you mentioned that. One of the things that I want to touch upon is, you know, this January, and you, you put this in your newsletter, but this January, um, I started getting calls from everyone from lawyers to brokers getting very, very antsy and nervous because the, the, the sales volume was considerably lower than what we typically find. Um, it was a gilded age for some time and now it's slowing down. Do you think, and again, this is anecdotal because who, who the hell knows what actually happens. Do you think this continues? Uh, and what would you say to uh, the level of, of player in the field? In other words, do you see people falling out of the industry now because it's not so easy to make a commission? It's not so easy to make a sale? Um, what would you sort of say about those two things? Well, I'd firstly say that anyone who thought that doing a sale was easy should go out and do a sale because they're all different. They're all complicated. You see the transactional nightmares that in, are involved in every transaction and they're complicated. And even the simplest sale can sometimes have its complexities that are completely unexpected. But I do think what always happens in tougher times is I've actually enjoyed the tougher times of the past because for me, it has been an incredible opportunity to build volume. There are people who turn to those who are really good at what they do and very professional, who deliver results, because in times of trouble, it isn't as easy as it is when it's um, you know smooth selling. But I think the, um, the market that we're heading right now is a different market. I don't know if it's gonna be difficult. It's certainly a lot more difficult now than it was three years ago. Then again, navigating multiple bids is not easy either. So I don't think there's any such thing as an easy real estate market. And for whomever wants to try it, go ahead and do it. Because everyone who comes into the industry turns to me a few months later and says, wow, I never realized it was that much work, number one. And number two, I never realized how complex and difficult it was. Because just like acting, it is a daily barrage of rejections. Over and over again. Over and over and over again. But now we're heading into an arena of not higher interest rates, but normalized interest rates. Likewise, the real estate market is entering into a normal real estate market, not an extreme anything sells market. And I think people take always a long time to adapt to new markets. So just two final questions for you, and I know you have to run. Um, you know, I looked at the, the volume that you've done over your career, and it's a, it's a large number. 
do you ever look back and maybe you do, maybe you don't and say, oh my God, look at how much I've accomplished. Not from monetary terms, right? But just from where you were at the age of 14 when you were going to open houses to where you are now, which, uh, you know, I'm not kissing up when I say you're at the pinnacle uh, uh, of real estate right now. Do you ever look back and say, what in the world, how did this happen? Or was this kind of, you know, you always wanted to, to get to where you are? Uh, I'm, not Im- I'm not impressed by myself. I'm quite shocked. For a, a little geek from the southernmost tip of Africa, to have achieved what I've achieved is shocking to me. <laughs> it's almost, I almost want to keep it a secret so no one finds out. But I am incredibly grateful for what I have. I do lose sight of it very quickly because you get caught in the daily complexities of, of life and business and you forget. But I'm extremely fortunate for having had this opportunity and I am you know, really very, very, very lucky as well. My dad always used to say whenever I, something great happened to me, he said, you were born under a lucky star. So I said, so you mean my hard work, my effort, my, that had nothing to do with it? He said, no, luck. That's and it. you know what? I'll take it. Yeah, anyone would. Last question for you and it's something I always ask, how do you define success? And I don't mean in the cliche way. I really mean, you know, how do you say, okay, this is what success would mean for me? Well, it's interesting you bring it up because many years ago at a large element event, Donald Trump was the keynote speaker. And and I'm not getting political here in any way, shape or form because that's a deadly, deadly place. Um, But he spoke to two of the agents in the room as killers and he was heralding them as killers. And it was like, this one is a killer and that one's a killer, but they sell so much real estate. These are killers. And everyone was applauding these killers. And I thought wow, I never ever want to be successful because I was known as the greatest killer. I thought that was kind of ugly. And yet the real estate industry in general, that's not just uh, Donald Trump. That was everyone at the time and still in many ways do celebrate and herald the killers of real estate. They killed it. They crushed it. It's like, I don't like killers because they do a lot of damage. They leave a lot of people miserable and they really drown out the efforts of those who really deserve more credit. So from that perspective, that was my dream that if I could be successful and not maybe to the success levels of these two agents, but have some modicum of success and still retain a sense of dignity, honesty, professionalism. I came from a German family. There was black and there was white. Gray was not a popular color. It either was one way or the other way. There was, you know, not so much debate about facts. It was either true or false. And I hoped I could live my life that way through real estate brokerage. And if there was one thing I'm proud of, I think it's the fact that I really have stuck to that. Am I perfect? No. But when I do slip up, I correct my mistakes very quickly. If I have to pay for a mistake, I will write a check very quickly as well. I've made, I've written a check for an air conditioning unit before because of an omission. But I think... um, For that, I'm very proud of more than the numbers. I mean, billions of dollars worth of sales are impressive, but there are others who've sold billions as well. Probably others have sold more than I have. But I know I'm kind of in like an exclusive little club where I've done so with honesty and integrity. And that's the one area for which I'm really proud of. Leonard, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you. I appreciate it.